You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savas Learning Company. Welcome to our Moving Learning Forward series, where we'll be exploring the latest trends in the world of education and talking to experts who can offer the latest insights on personalized learning, student engagement, and maximizing your educational technology. I'm here with my colleague, Maureen Martin, Manager for Professional Services at Savas Learning. Maureen, who do we have as our special guest today? Today, we've got Mrs. Lisa Parsons, who serves as the Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum Instruction and Assessment in the South Jefferson Central School District in upstate New York. We are delighted to have her here with us today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. Good morning. Thank you, Maureen and Walter, for inviting me to be part of this. Well, we are glad you're here, and we know that we need to represent a variety of voices. South Jefferson's a rural district, approximately 2,000 students in K through 12, and I understand that your career there began as a phys ed teacher and a coach. You worked on teaching skills, facilitating teamwork and collaboration. You encouraged grit and perseverance in your students, and then as you moved into school administration, you brought these things with you. And now you serve at the district level. So tell us a little bit more about your journey in education and your district itself. Well, I've had a uh, quite an eclectic uh, career. I've worked both in public and private schools uh, teaching, and my administrative career has been uh, a little over 20 years. So this is my 39th year in formal education, and I'm still enjoying it. I still have the passion. Um, We're very blessed to have a a supportive community. Um, While we're limited in some aspects of diversity, we also enjoy elements of uniqueness within our student population. Our district is known as Spartan Nation, and it's very student-centered. We have a board of education that strongly supports our educational program uh, in the classroom and with a variety of extracurricular activities at all levels. During the pandemic, our focus was on relationships first. And like many other districts, we found ourselves moving fast forward to being a one-to-one Chromebook school for grades K through 12. This accelerated uh, our professional learning plan and uh, our online education program. So right now, we're basically taking a step back and saying, let's find that balance with living, learning, and laughing. That's great, Lisa. Let's back up. Let's start at the beginning here. There there are so many threads that we could pull upon, but in your mind, what's the most important place to start when planning for a pilot since that's our focus today? Well, I, I would say the why. Uh, I had served as the assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction for only about three months and red flags of inconsistency and the validity regarding our resources were popping up. Specifically, through observations and conversations, there was an evident need for us to get on the same page with curriculum and instruction in ELA at the elementary level. Uh, We saw an urgent need to basically to research, pilot, and adopt a K-5 ELA program. Our district was using out-of-date resources. Uh, They were not standards-based. Some teachers were using, uh, I would dare say, less than beloved modules. Some were teaching uh, ELA through novels and grammar lessons, and yet we had some teachers that were downloading lessons from teacher pay teachers. So this was all occurring K through five in two different buildings. Prior to the onset of the pandemic, I had administered a Google survey asking teachers to share what resources they were using. Through the survey results, we were able to see as a group the disparity and the inconsistency. 
And that was valuable to have everybody be able to see that need and that why. Additionally, we engaged in conversations around prioritized standards and student assessment results. So again, through these conversations, everybody understood the why. You know, you really hit on a key piece, understanding the why. That's that's really essential. Uh, so what other pieces, though, needed to come into focus before launching your pilot? Well, I've got some P's to piloting, Maureen. People, product, process, planning, and progress monitoring. With people, we worked with building the building administrators and myself. We invited a cross-section of teachers grade levels, uh, experience buildings they were assigned to, to join an ELA resource curriculum committee. Uh, our first move was to kind of look into and research products. Uh, from the research, we uh, decided upon agreed that we would look at the two main factors used to select curriculum materials. One is standards alignment, and the other was usability. So we shared this information at our inaugural meeting, and this kind of helped drive our process. Additionally, all elementary classroom teachers and literacy special specialists were asked in a survey to identify and to rank factors that they considered important when selecting an ELA curricular resource. This gave us our what to look for and allowed us to prioritize the factors as we reviewed possible resources. This was really a very important step to keeping the conversation focused as we went through the process. The administrative team also talked with colleagues in the area, and we researched online for reviews of the most recent publications of ELA resources. So we, as a committee, narrowed it down to two, and then I reached out to the publishing company, gathered information, acquired samples, and we looked, uh, once again, very closely at alignment with learning standards as a committee. Well, I am bowled over, and I love those P's. Let me just for our listeners restate them for their simplicity and clarity, because I really think these are great guiding principles when thinking about a pilot. You talked about people, products, process, planning, and progress monitoring. That is a winning formula to me to planning a, an effective pilot. So you had a lot of forethought in your process. You described going through the process with your colleagues and forming committees and studying what's out there. Once you had those big pieces in place, the people, the products, the process, and the plan, uh, how did you drive the process then from the initial phase and preparing uh, till you got to the actual kickoff or the go live date with your pilot teachers? Well, I, I wouldn't recommend this, but we really had that sense of urgency. So we had just six months to organize a pilot secure materials, line up professional development opportunities, and make a recommendation to the superintendent of schools so that we could set the table for a fall implementation. Um, there was a need. Um, so we worked very hard uh, for teachers to fully understand the challenges we were facing um, and be ready to kind of dust off the pandemic uh, and be able to move forward. So I started by outlining uh, the timeline. You know, here's where we are. This is the time frame that we're in. I worked with the representatives to schedule professional development opportunities. Um, we viewed the committee viewed an introductory video. We had some video conference sessions and and had a better understanding of the materials. 
The teachers were asked to become familiar with the core materials. Um, then we selected teachers that were willing to pilot both buildings at all grade levels. Uh, and then we set up the professional development sessions for teachers to be guided through the planning process and how to use the resources. Uh, the reality here is with, with an ELA curriculum at the elementary level, there are just so many resources that we wanted to be careful that we did not overwhelm the teachers. So once we got into the process of, of the pilot, we needed to do some progress monitoring. So by the end of the uh, May, teachers had on the average piloted a program for 10 weeks. From the weekly feedback forms, we had quantitative and qualitative data to review. The committee members reviewed the data. They were asked to fill out a recommendation form. I would recommend because and list your specific reasons. I would not list your specific reasons or I'd not recommend an ELA program at all. We did not want to, to coerce them or force them into making a decision either. They really had to have the buy-in. And then in early June, the committee moved to a vote. Um, I would at this point just throw in one more little little P here would be price. Um, and when we were looking at our, pro, our, our possible programs to go with, we were fortunate to have the American Rescue Monies, but uh, we do have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that we get the best value for a good product as well. Most definitely. That's a, another good P. And I, I also would would think we could add professional development to your list of P's, right? You, you spoke about that. It's ongoing. And, Those P's are ongoing. Yes, they are. They are. <laughs> Maybe by virtue of the pandemic, there's another P. Your <laughs> PD sessions were driven somewhat virtually. Uh, but I really liked what you said. You talked about using weekly feedback forms to have an ongoing conversation with your pilot teachers and the other stakeholders. That was really keen. Um, so speaking of stakeholders, how did you engage and keep everybody on the same page throughout your process? Because it's really easy to have someone going off in another direction. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. I think we, we had established the why, but we also had that end in mind. Um, and we have an instructional materials resource rubric. So we shared that with all the teachers up front, discussed it, reviewed it. So everybody had a good understanding of the rubric. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we had the weekly feedback form that we created and we shared with teachers digitally. The form helped us to keep a pulse on where teachers um, were in the process and what they needed. It was also aligned to those factors that the teachers identified and prioritized. So it kept the focus through the whole process. Um, and it was it was um, not just the committee at that point, but a lot of discussion with those who were piloting, and we had conversations at our faculty meetings. Um, I would also say we we scheduled professional development sessions for all of our elementary teachers, um, and they were like every four to five weeks. We had a, a superintendent's professional development day that we had on the calendar, so we used that as well. And we kind of used the pilot to bring in some, some peripheral topics for professional development, such as guided reading, differentiation, the science of reading, and assessments. And those are really key elements when you're looking at any kind of a product in ELA. For sure. And as you mentioned earlier, ELA in the elementary levels has a lot of components. So it sounds like you were able to leverage this as also a learning opportunity for other teachers that weren't piloting too. Great, great strategy for folks to consider. Uh, I wonder, 
if there were any surprises or or unexpected things along the way? Uh, well, the digital component presented a bit of a challenge for our teachers. Uh, we were slowed down a little bit because of some of the um, the learning curve, so to speak, with that. So we wanted to make sure that we were providing training and additional support, recognizing that if teachers became frustrated with the product, it was just going to derail the whole pilot process. So we at times had to slow it down, step back and say, what is it you need? And provide some, some just-in-time professional development. We also respected the teacher's concern around state testing. So we gave some flexibility and some leeway on the pilot um, planning and imp implementing to work around that. I think one of the greatest hurdles that we really had to, um, to get over was a shift in pedagogy. Um, the curriculum that we looked at was, you know, the gradual release, the I do, we do, you do, moving from that sage on the stage to the facilitator approach. And this was really different from what was going on in many of our classrooms. Additionally, I think one other thing we had to think about was the, the spiral design of the curriculum was you, you introduce it, you practice it, um, but you did not have to have that mastery paradigm, which uh, many of our uh, teachers, I, I think those who have been in education for years, it was got to know, got to do, and then we move on. And this was, it's gonna, we're going to come back to it again. It's okay. So we really had to have conversations around that. Um, again, a little professional development through those conversations. For sure. And and you created opportunities for learning for your for your educators as well as your students during this pilot time. And so one of the things that I hear when I talk to school and district leaders, a common refrain is that time is the one resource we never seem to have quite enough of, right? So what did you take into account when making your plans for the, the support that was needed and uh, just talking about during, you know, during the school day or after school or weekends or different options and then virtual and asynchronous strategies. Can you tell us a little about that? Well, ironically, uh, Maureen, I've been around a little bit. So I was here when they released the uh, research study in 1994, Prisoners of Time. And uh, I remember that vividly. And a couple of the recommendations that came out of that research were giving teachers time and ensuring the focus on academic time during the school day. So I kind of had that in the, in the background as we were looking at this. So to respond to your question, we, we'd organized a timeline with multiple opportunities for professional development. And we did that during the school day. Teacher fatigue is real. Uh, teachers are you know reeling from the pandemic. So we understood that. So we tried to work very, very collaboratively and honor their time off the clock. The other thing we looked at was looking at our master schedules, we realized that um, our schedules were fragmented and we didn't have that core block for ELA that we needed. Uh, and so we, we needed to really synchronize and, and better, more efficiently use our time during the school day and maybe bring back a little more focus on that academic time. So we redid our, um, and this came out of the pilot, we redid our master schedules at the elementary level. And then the third part of your, your extended question, the professional development format, um, just by virtue of the limitations with space and time, a lot of it was virtual. Um, and that's not the preference of the teacher. So we we understood that. We tried to provide some in-person um, 
professional development. And if we had a virtual, we always provided in-person follow-up so that we work to help them have a deeper understanding. That's great to to layer it or scaffold it as such that there was a, an in-person follow-up to the virtual. I like that idea. Did you utilize any specific planning tools to help you uh, maximize your teacher's times? Uh, I didn't use a specific tool per se, but I can kind of go through the outline of the roadmap of, of where we went with the pilot. You know, the first thing we did was to basically identify the need. That was the assessment through the survey. Um, and then it was begin with an end in mind. What, what's the targeted outcome? You know, we wanted to have a new ELA curriculum resource for K through five. Created the timeline. Um, we collaboratively, collaboratively developed benchmark goals, and that helped out with those weekly feedback pieces. Um, we gathered the resources that we wanted to look at. We monitored progress and collected the data. We reviewed the data. Again, we had the quantitative and the qualitative data, and then we made a recommendation. So those are, in a nutshell, the steps that we followed. Folks I, that are listening, I hope you're jotting notes or going to hit replay or go back a few seconds because Lisa is leaving us with some real gems here. Um, and speaking of time and resources, before we go today, I'm asking all my guests in this series to share with our listeners one piece of advice that you might have for a new curriculum director or a superintendent, assistant superintendent of instruction, somebody that has not previously run a pilot. I think I would probably recommend that you try not to conduct your pilot in the shadows of a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah, that I would recommend having a pulse on where your teachers are with respect to needs and understandings. Teachers need to own the process and the decision, and facilitating this can be tricky. I would say that the key was good, open, honest communication. And then I would also just kind of recommend that. Uh, you establish a strong relationship through excellent communication um, with your company re representatives. You want to be able to pick up a phone or send an email and know there's a response on the way. And I can tell you that we have had that with Savas, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Lisa. That was uh, very much appreciated. And thank you for your wisdom. There's so much that comes from our our shared learnings together as educators on this journey. And we could probably go on for quite a while about your experience on this topic. Uh, but I do thank you so much for being with us today to share your experience. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. Walter, we're gonna send it back to you. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our guests for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This Moving Learning Forward series is presented by Savas Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savas.com today to request pre-K through 12 curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Savas Learning with hashtag Moving Learning Forward.